Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata here with you guys live on a Wednesday night here, uh, along with Josh Marlowe. He is with me for this one, and you may be wondering, uh, I did put in there, we are going to react to the commitment of Andre Green Jr. We are going to do that because that did happen at the time when we were getting ready to record, so we decided... Why not go live in this one? Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, man. mainly from more of an on-field perspective and why this one is so important for Carolina. We'll also talk about Sam Howell, his decision uh, as to whether or not he is going to go to the NFL. Uh, it seems like right now uh, things are still up in the air. So we'll talk about whether it's a good decision for him to go to the NFL or whether we think he should come back for another year. Uh, we'll also give you some news on a guy that wasn't expected to participate in senior day that is going to and we'll answer the ultimate question if Sam Howell can't start in this game which quarterback do you think should start this game on Saturday against the Wofford Terriers we'll also tell you a little bit more about that Wofford team that Carolina will be playing and of course give you the keys to the game official predictions and everything like that but as I mentioned let's start with the big news right off the top here the one that I think everybody wants to hear about first and that is that Carolina did just land the commitment of 2022 four-star wide receiver Andre Green Jr. out of the state of Virginia and Carolina just continues to rack up the Virginia recruits they now have four of the top five players from the state of Virginia in a 22 class that are committed to Carolina. The other player that is not committed to Carolina is Sean Murphy, the inside linebacker. He is committed to Alabama. So this is a state that we've known for a long time has been extremely important. Carolina's gotten some good guys out of there, especially the last couple of years. Dre Bly has really turned it up Mm -hmm. in that state, and he deserves a ton of credit. But this class is truly special. We knew there was going to have to be a focus on the state in this class, and boy, they've really turned that into something here in this 2022 cycle. Yeah, this was the year that Mac Brown targeted to to branch out the recruiting tree. The first two years, it was locking down North Carolina, and I think we can all agree they've done a really good job keeping in-state talent. No doubt. And Chapel Hill. So now the next step in the progression to building the program back up where he had it before was going to Virginia. There's always been talent in the state of Virginia. There will always be talent in the state of Virginia. That was the the big addition of why Dre Bly got on the staff, was to help further the the recruiting ties in that area, rebuild the relationships they had back in the 90s. In this class, they've done that. They, you know, they've got, like you just mentioned, four of the top five from the state. I think they got seven, you know, at least seven commits. Seven of the top 20 from the state as well. Um, So so that's really good, and that's the evolution for Carolina um, on the recruiting trail as they try to get this program back to competing for an ACC championship. And, and it's, it's something that Mac Brown 
he has kept his word on the recruiting trail. They're recruiting at the level that he said they were going to. Now they may be a year ahead of the recruiting, but you know when you've had some of this some of this on field success that we've had these first three years, you do expect that. So it's a really good sign to see them wanting up that end of the bargain on the recruiting trail. Well, let's talk about specifically Green Jr. and what he means. I think that as the season has gone along, we've started to see that Carolina doesn't really have. They've, they've got the guys in the slot. Yeah. They've got a couple of guys that will potentially be able to be that deep threat that takes the top off of defenses. Mm -hmm. They don't really have that red zone threat, and it's become more and more apparent as the season has gone along. I think Bryson Nesbitt is a guy that you can look at in the future that can be that guy, yeah. but he's also a tight end. You need that jump ball receiver that can go up and get the football. I think at a time last year, they thought that might eventually be Emory Simmons. That did not pan out, mm. and he has, of course, now entered the transfer portal. Bo Corrales is a guy that has been banged up for the last two, the better part of the last two years. And I think it's become evident that they need that jump ball wide receiver. And that's exactly what Green Jr. brings. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, had, had Carolina had Bo Corrales this year, I think you would have seen some more winning in the 50-50 area. But, you know, that didn't happen. And that we knew that was a possibility with his injuries coming into the season. You need that type of guy. You need to have the type of guy, especially inside the 20s, when the field gets tighter, where you can just throw the ball up and let a guy go make the play. He can do that for you. And that will be beneficial for whoever the quarterback is at that time. And it, it may be the next step for Carolina being more efficient inside the red zone because you need a type of guy that you don't have to scheme ways to get him the football. You can just say, we're going to throw you the ball and you're going to go get the football. And that's exactly what he is. And we're going to break him down a little bit more on the next edition of the podcast. Me, Zach Hubbard will go a little more in I'm going to be on that pod as well. On him. Uh, meanwhile, uh, no, you won't because uh, yeah. if you do, you will be fired. I, um, I'm hijacking the pod. Jeez. Well, we've seen what the basketball podcast looks like. That's not going to be a pretty sight. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just the last thing I'll ask recruiting-wise in general, this is a top 10 class. They're now number nine mm -hmm. overall in the rankings. When you look at that and you think about how this affects the program going forward, we've talked a lot this year about the fact that this team still needs more talent. Well, this is the number nine team overall, uh, or number nine class overall in the cycle according to 24-7 Sports Composite, and they're number one in the ACC. So, especially with the goals that I think need to be reset that we've talked about on the podcast here before, which is taking care of the Coastal first, yep. this is doing at least the first part of getting you to that point, right? Well, the big thing is is that, especially this, if this class finishes top ten, if it finishes first in the ACC, you got to win. And I know Mac Brown has said all offseason or during this season, well, we're ahead of schedule, we're ahead of schedule. That excuse goes out the window that with, with this type of recruiting because you should have the talent with three recruiting cycles to be able to compete and win these types of games that you're losing that are hindering you from making an ACC title game, getting back to a New Year's Six Bowl game maybe next year. So that's going to be the thing. The recruiting is great. But with the recruiting success becomes the expectations, which is going to be hard to reset because the people are going to tell you, well, you have the talent should to, to win in what we believe is a down ACC football conference right now. And the argument will be that that talent is still going to be young. The two classes that you've had back-to-back -back here have been e even better than the class that you had when you first came in. But here's the thing. Year three is crucial. Uh, and it feel and, and and so far this year, they haven't been phenomenal. So now nope. year four is kind of make or break if you want to be that team that you were talking about before this season of if, being a consistent competitor. If anyone thinks we're going to enter next year with lessened expectations, outside of being a preseason top ten team, you're wrong. I think, there's going to be more pressure on Mac Brown. Yep. And this staff, especially if he doesn't make the changes we're calling for, to win and win big. Can you really remember a more pressure-packed season of Toriel football with what is you would think is going to happen at the end of this season, and then you will end up heading into next season with you know, but but basically with where Mac Brown is at at his age, 
with if he, if he wants to get to his goal of becoming a consistent competitor in college football, I think next year is probably as big of a year for Tar Heel football as I can remember. I, I know Larry had the years where he was on the hot seat. Well, I think that's the thing. Stuff like that. From the program overall, that'll be up there. Like, individually, Larry Fedora's 15 year was really big. Like, if Carolina doesn't go 11-1, and one, if they go 500, there's a good chance he gets fired. And rightfully so, because he hadn't done enough. And he hadn't won the fan base over yet. What's coming off a year that I think we will probably compare this year to, a in a lot of respects, year. in 2014. And yes. then 2010... You know, prior to the suspensions, the pressure that was on that team to make the ACC title game and to represent the ACC in a BCS Bowl, they were legitimate because the ACC at the time wasn't good. I mean, Clemson wasn't Clemson. Florida State wasn't Florida State. And Miami and Virginia Tech weren't what they had been in the past. So you got to put that. I mean, next year will be a lot like when Mac Brown was here the first couple years. Even though you're coming off a down year, the expectation is Carolina should compete to win nine to ten football games, no less. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100% on that one. Well, let's move on, talk a little bit about some of the guys that are on the current roster. Um, and you, if you guys want to read more about the commitment of Andre Green Jr., there is an article up on the website right now, so make sure that you guys head over there and check that out. But let's focus on the current quarterback of the Tar Heels, Sam Howell. He came out yesterday and pretty much <laughs> walked everything back that we heard from Mac Brown. He should have said less prior. I, see, I don't know who's in the wrong in this situation. I'm not now. Mac Brown. One thing that was pointed out to me by a couple of people was how did Mac Brown just seemingly throw in in the middle of reading off all these other seniors that were being honored? Sam Howell, this will be his final game in Keenan Stadium. <laughs> One of the greatest players in your program's history, easily the greatest quarterback in your program's history, and just kind of acted like that was a casual walk-on that was thrown out there as well. Um, but uh, Sam Howell came out yesterday, last night, and actually had his meeting with the media ahead of the game against Wofford. He, of course, talked about his injury status, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. But he also talked about his upcoming draft status. And Dina King, uh, who does a great job for Tar Heel Illustrated and Rivals, she asked the question to lead off. He kind of gave you know an answer of, I'm not really ready just yet to discuss that, and then they moved on. Well, Ross Martin circled back around, of course, over at Inside Carolina. He circled back around and sort of asked him to go a little more in depth. And he said that he is not ready to declare that he's going to the NFL yet. And he's not ready to declare that he's coming back yet. He said, this could be my final game in Keenan Stadium. This could not be my final game in Keenan Stadium. I think Sam Howell would be a fantastic used car salesman as well. Because he definitely sounds like a guy that's trying to tell you what you want to hear mm -hmm. either way. Um, but it does spark the conversation of, look, did Mac Brown maybe jump the gun a little bit? Is Sam Howell being truthful and saying that, look, I'm academically a senior. I will be honored. But I'm not saying that I'm going to the NFL just yet. There is a chance I could come back. Uh, first, from that perspective, I mean, are you thinking that there is a chance or is that me just trying to read in, maybe some other Tar Heel fans trying to read into it too much? I, I, don't, I don't see a scenario where he comes back next year given how weak this quarterback class is going to be. He has the, the tangibles to vault himself back into the top ten given how quarterback thirsty the NFL is. He is also, if he enters, does he not – have the feeling of a quarterback that is going to be a combine and pro day darling. He will climb so quickly because of the conversations that they'll have behind closed doors with a guy that studies film about as much as anybody that we've heard and with the fact that he I feel like when he goes through some of those mapped out um, you know, drills and everything, I think he's going to thrive. Yeah, so... I don't know. I mean, selfishly, we want him back for sure. And if if, if we'll print T-shirts, if he's we'll back it. in the saddle, Carolina will be a legitimate ACC coastal pick once again, and the expectations will be very high. With that being said, though, I don't see a situation where where he returns. Um, and you can't blame the kid. He's given you everything he's had. And I had a conversation with my boss the other day, 
I feel like the Carolina's taking him as far as Carolina can take him. Does he have issues for projecting the next level? He does. And I've talked about it on here plenty of times where the clock in his head isn't there. I worry, can he throw people open in the NFL? But I think that coaching, he, he for for those issues to be corrected, he needs NFL coaching. And maybe when he looks himself in the mirror, look, he, took, he, he, he restored the program. He took him to a New Year's Six Bowl game. He's likely going to go undefeated against in-state rivals that we care about outside of Wake Forest. Like, you know, he's done a lot. So now the next step is to go to the NFL and to progress as a player, he needs NFL coaching. I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, I'm with you personally. Would love to have him back next year. That would be fantastic. The only, I've, I told you this earlier. The only scenario where I actually see him coming back is he's just a guy that realizes that he has done so much in college, he's had so much fun, and he feels like he wants to win a little bit more in college and looks at what he could be at the NFL level and thinks to himself, look, I am a little bit limited when it comes to my NFL stock. I don't think that's how he he feels. I don't think that's how he should feel because he's looked at as a first-round prospect for a reason. Now, look, he has to land in the right scenario. And we'll talk about that more as we get closer to his actual decision. But some of the places that come to mind are Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Atlanta. He was mocked to Carolina in two drafts this past week. I'm not crazy about that because I think that he is going to need a good offensive line. I think that this year shows that he's going to need good May doesn't necessarily have to be great, but I think a good group of skill pro- yes, players around him. Absolutely. Um, and I think the other thing is is that he has benefited from Phil Longo and how good of an offensive coordinator he has been. I think he's a guy that needs a proven coaching staff that has gotten the job done before. To me, and I know Panther fans will hate to hear this, I think his best fit is New Orleans. Yeah, and I think so too. I hate to see him in Pittsburgh because how much I hate the Steelers. Um, but that's a proven coaching staff that, that will find ways to get the job done. But you give Sean Payton, um, Sam Howell, and Sean Payton will be coached until he's 80 because, you know, there's a lot of Drew Brees in Sam Howell. Yes. There, there's, yep. there's, there's a lot of – and there's a lot of the good – of Drew Brees and even the, the issues that Drew Brees has or had because now he's retired and now has a new hairline also are prevalent in Sam Howell. So I think that's the best fit for him ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him in Carolina knowing he grew up in the area. He's going to be a Panther fan. And you give you give Joe Brady a quarterback that can sling it. We've seen what he did with Joe Burrow and the Panthers have weapons, but you got to fix the big uglies up front first. That's and, my thing, man. Um, Their skill positions are great. I think those having DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, because I mean, Robbie Anderson is hard to project that far in advance. Minnesota is also a sneaky good landing spot for him. They're going to be ready to move hmm. on from Captain Kirk Cousins because they can't win playoff games. They're ready to move on from him every week. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, and then I'm trying to think of something like is. So, I was thinking, is Washington a, a good – like, I, I feel like that's not a bad spot, our boy but Stevie I don't think D's, it's great. Our, our boy Stevie D's would have an aneurysm if Oh, Sam he would Howell love that, dude. He would love that. I don't know if he's on here tonight, but he um, if he's watching this back, he would be all over that one, And man. then some AFC teams where it can make sense. The Raiders may have a decision to make about Derek Carr now that John Gruden is no longer their head coach. So, I, I think there's a lot of places where he could fit. The biggest thing is this. And it's not a knock because my quarterback, Dak Prescott, needs – he's going to need talent around him. Yep. He's not a guy that is going to elevate the guys around him. Look, not many not many quarterbacks can do that. So he's got to be put in the right situation. If he is in the right situation, he can have a average, lengthy NFL career. I agree. I agree. I think he would also benefit if he gets in a situation where he does have to sit for a year or two. I thought that Mitch Trubisky – would benefit from that. And where was the spot that I told you Mitch Trubisky would fit best in that draft? New Orleans. But ultimately, the Bears were just just seemed they were the infatuated Bears. with them, and they took him at two. And I think that put a lot of pressure on him. This is – it's going to be a completely different situation for Sam. I don't see any chance that he goes in the top five. And that's good. 
You want him to go in the middle of the first, late first round to a team that has done it before, that has won before. That's the scenario that you should be looking for. But look, who knows? Sam says it's not it's not set in stone. We'll see. We'll definitely be talking about that here over the next couple of weeks and, of course, once the season is wrapped up. Um, really quickly, uh, focusing on senior day, one thing that I did want to mention, we talked about him a little bit. We mentioned his name a little bit here uh, when we were talking about Andre Green Jr., which we do have a guy, Tyrone Jones, who did comment, boom, yes, sir. That's right. We talked about him a little bit ago. Uh, if you didn't see it, whenever the video is final, you can go back, watch that, uh, a little bit of a breakdown of what uh, he means for Carolina. But we talked about Bo Corrales in there. He was not on the initial list of seniors that were going to be honored on Saturday against Wofford. Now his name apparently is going to be amongst the group that is going to be honored. So I don't know what this means. Some people think that this means that his career could be over. Some people think this means that he could be transferring. Some people think that he could be getting honored, but then basically... Come, making the decision to come back next year. Maybe there's a, a question of if he actually is going to be eligible mm. from the NCAA. Um, I feel like this would be, I'm not going to say a huge loss, but we were excited by the fact the other day that we thought he was going to be in the fold and could possibly come back. If he can't come back, what 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 are you? How big of a blow do you think that is for Carolina? The good news is is that we believe Carolina's got a plethora of wide receiver talent. You would think in the second year in the system, the young guys, Kobe Paceauer, Gavin Blackwell, you know, DJ Jones would be able to take the next step and be on the field. But I mean, look, if 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 he's back, if he's back on the team, you know, right there's your red zone threat. Here's, he's also your 50-50 guy, so there's less pressure on those guys to be able to make those types of plays. If he is gone, then Phil Longo's going to have to find other ways to, to get the ball down the field in those situations, and it it, 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 it will be a big blow. Um, and, and I think Carolina's offense this year would have been vastly different had he been on the field. I think Josh Downs still has the same amount of success he's having, but I think, I think Carolina in the red zone would have been more efficient and it would be able to run the football a lot better. So there's a lot that goes into him if he's on the field and if he's not on the field next year. Well, the other thing is is that, remember, especially right before he got banged up last year, he had started to show that he was a nice target mm. on third downs. And, and Carolina's lacked that really consistently outside of Josh Downs. You've seen it a little bit from Antone Green here recently. Right. But I think with him being there, his, his experience – uh, that that would have definitely helped Carolina. I don't know how much it really hurts them going into next year because they've been. I mean, look, they've been without him for a year and a half now, so they know what it's like to play without him. I think it would have been nice to have him back, but if ultimately if he ends up leaving, uh, that just means you've got to find someone from that group of true freshmen from this year. Mm -hmm. JJ Jones, Kobe Paysauer. Um, I know he's smaller, but you know he could be a guy potentially that has to move to the outside if he wants to play. Uh, here in the near future in Gavin Blackwell. Um, and then you're also, you know, Andre Green Jr. will be coming in. We've talked about it before that for the skill position guys, it is easier to transition from the high school to the college level so yep. he could potentially play early. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not overly concerned about it, but I would love to see Bo be able to come back because he's a guy that's been working so hard with the training staff to try to get back. He's just had some unfortunate setbacks when it's come to this hernia injury. And it just it stinks because last year, and hopefully, you know, if, if, if it is the end, this is what everybody will remember, he put up career numbers against Florida State before yeah. ultimately being deemed out for the season. So, uh, yeah, it, it will, he'll be honored uh, along with, you know, a, a bunch of other guys. And as we talked about, Sam Howell will be honored. The other thing that people will be keeping an eye on before they do those senior day ceremonies is whether or not Sam Howell will actually – be starting at quarterback for the Tar Heels in this game. He did get, you know, they, they revealed that he does have an upper body injury. Mac Brown told us that on Monday, said that he is day-to-day. -day. Uh, Sam talked about it a little bit yesterday, that they are going uh, each day in practice trying to do a little bit more, a little bit more as they get towards the end of the week. And then ultimately it looks like he will end up warming up on Saturday and they'll make the decision then. Let's do a little... Worst-case scenario prep here, though. Let's say that Sam Howell cannot play in this game. 
the ultimate question that then comes up is which quarterback do you start? Because as we heard in the fall, these quarterbacks were neck and neck behind them. Every time one guy would have a good day, the ne- the other guy would follow up with a good day. I think a lot of people really want to see Drake May yes. in this situation. But you cannot discount the fact that Jacoby Criswell is the more experienced guy in the system, and he has some talent there as well. Yeah, I want to see Drake May. That, that That's who I want to see personally. I do think Criswell will start if Sam Howell can't be ready to go, but I do think Carolina will use two quarterbacks in the first half in the football game and let them both. Oh, no doubt. And no let doubt. them both uh, play, you know, because that way they can start grading the tape, grading the film, and to get a head start on if they have to replace Sam Howell next year between those two guys. So I think that's the thing. Um, I, th- I think Drake May is going to be a guy that whenever it's whenever it's his offense, he's going to do wonders. But I think Criswell, too, can be a guy that can do some big things in this offense if he's the guy next year. So, I, you know, they, they can't go wrong because both guys are uber talented. They're going to be a big part of this team in the next co- in the next couple of years. But personally, oh, yeah, give me number 10. Yeah, I, well, here's the thing. I, I'm with you. I think no doubt out of the gate, Criswell will be the first quarterback you'll see because whenever they've had to go to a backup quarterback this year or when they've gone in garbage time, He's Criswell's your first guy. So I think that's what the direction they're going to go first. But I'm with you. I think they will definitely use both guys. Um, and they I should, think they, they should use both guys. Well, I think they will because on the depth chart that I looked at today from the media guy that they've put out for Carolina, they do this before every game, and they put a depth chart in there. And on there, it says or still next to Jacoby Criswell's name along with Drake May. So, to me, that means, look, they're still battling neck and neck. Nobody's created separation there. And, I mean, look, you, you really wouldn't expect that because they haven't played in in-game situations. You can only learn so much from practice, especially when the guys are always working with the second-team guys. Um, but I, I think it's a good chance to really get a look at what these guys are going to be next year. Look, we'll talk about them a little more in depth here in a minute. This Wofford team is not good. You should have no issue throwing these two guys out there and basically using this as a pseudo-spring game to figure out a little bit of separation at quarterback early on leading into next year. And I think that's what they're going to do. This is an opportunity to get them reps. Look, if Sam can't go, I've got a key to the game here, and I still think it'll be key which is run the football a lot in this game. If they have to start this if one of those two guys has to start this game and we're seeing the other one as well, I want to see them open this offense up and let them throw the football. Let's see what these guys got. And, you know, let's see how they work with Josh Downs. Let's see how they work with Anton Green, who looks like he'll be back next year, with the tight end group that's extremely talented. I think that this is going to be a good opportunity to get a look at both guys. I wouldn't put a ton of stock into what you see in this game in terms of, well, that means that so-and-so look better in this game. He's going to be the starter next year if Sam ends up leaving. But I think this is a good opportunity to get a look at both guys. And I'm with you in this respect. I think that it's very clear to a lot of people that the guy with the most upside is Drake Matt. Yes. The guy that right now feels like the safest option is probably Jacoby Criswell. If this, let's say for some reason that Sam was to not be able to play against State, which it doesn't look like that's going to be the scenario. He will, I would be absolutely stunned if he does not at least give it a go in that game um, and, and potentially have those two guys, whoever it is, ready to go. I think Criswell would be the guy that would start in an important game like yes, that right so now because he's a veteran guy. But, um, yeah, I'm intrigued to see both of these guys. Um, Criswell definitely has some talent. People got to know that. He's a four-star quarterback for a reason. He When he was coming out uh, in high school, his comparison on 24-7 sports, his player comp was Sam Howell. So he fits this offense the uh, just perfectly. So I think, you know, give him an opportunity. Let's see what he's got. 
Um, and I'm going to actually put up an article about that, kind of make the case for both guys as to who should start and everything like that. That'll be up there uh, on the website tomorrow. Um, but we want to know. Put, your, put your, uh, your, your opinions in the comments. Who do you think should start in this game for Carolina if Sam Howell is unable to go? Let's take a look at the matchup uh, a little more in-depth here with Wofford. Um, first of all, I was actually shocked by this because remember that Carolina was an original member of the Southern Conference back in the day. This is the first meeting between these two teams all time. They have never actually met, uh, so this will be the first time that Carolina will be welcoming them uh, to Chapel Hill on the football side of things. Of course, they have played Carolina on the basketball side of things a couple of times. Um, and, and Carolina, this is one of those games every year. They put this on the schedule to sort of you know, be a prep game for uh, you know, what now is the season finale against NC State. Um, Carolina, they've had a ton of success against FCS teams. This is not a team that has struggled to beat them. Uh, 19 straight wins against FCS teams. Can you tell me the last time that they lost to an FCS team? This is a loss that's brought up a lot. Furman. Furman back in 1999. Um, and I, only, yeah, I only knew that because I looked at the right And here's – oh, okay. Well, yeah. here's, the other, here's the other really close – I mean, look, they've, they've only had, what, two really close games since then? They had McNeese State back in 07 or then, 08. Then they had William & Mary that one year. William & Mary was the one that I think most people remember. That was an extremely close call. They only put up 21 points in that game. Very far from their, their, their best performance in that one. But other than that – uh, Carolina has historically demolished these teams uh, from from the FCS ranks, even ones that have moved up. I mean, they back in 2014, that year that we talked about, that was a rather disappointing one. They came out and beat Liberty to start the year at home, and that was a game that I think a lot of people looking at Liberty as being a team that could move up uh, were, were questioning uh, Carolina in, but... Uh, th this shouldn't really be that much of an issue. This Wofford team, as I mentioned, they are not a good team. They are they are one and nine. They've lost nine straight. They won their season opener uh, against Elon, and it actually took a blocked field goal with eight seconds to go to even win that game. Uh, they are averaging just twenty one point one points per game. 325 yards of total offense per game, 116.4 passing yards, but they do run the football rather well, 208.6 rushing yards per game. On the defensive side, they're allowing 34.6 points per game, 448 total yards uh, of offense to teams, 226 passing yards through the air, so not too bad there, but 222 yards on the ground, so Carolina should have no issues running the football on them. Uh, and then when you, you look at this team individually, when you actually talk about some of the players uh, that are uh, you know on this team this season and who has been able to produce, the running back I think is the guy that you talk the most about here, and that is Irvin Mulligan, uh, a junior so far this season, 124 carries, uh, 854 yards, and eight touchdowns, easily their most productive offensive player. Behind him, there's not really a ton to write home about. Jamari Broussard uh, is their next leading rusher, and he only has 261 yards on the ground so far this season on 67 carries. So you go from Mulligan, who's averaging 6.9 yards per carry, which is a pretty good clip, uh, to the rest of the group that is really struggling to average over three yards per carry. Um, and then you look at the quarterback position. They've rotated a ton of guys there so far this year. Uh, it looks like Peyton, De uh, Peyton Derrick is going to be their guy. He's a senior, um, but he's only thrown the ball 77 times this season. Uh, he has seven touchdowns to five interceptions on se and 721 yards passing. Uh, you've got a bunch of different other guys, and, and one guy I think that's worth keeping an eye on here is Kyle Pinnix, um, who is a true freshman He's a guy that is currently listed as their number two quarterback on the roster. He hasn't played a ton this year, um, but I think they're still kind of searching for answers at that quarterback spot. So you wonder if he's a guy that could get an opportunity in this game. He's actually from Reedsville, North Carolina. I remember seeing him when I went up and uh, scouted Jefferson Boaz, who is one of the quarterbacks on the current Tar Heel roster, as well as uh, his teammate at the time, Stephen Gosnell. Uh, Breon Pass was playing in that game. That was just a loaded game. 
Um, and he, he, he can throw the ball. He can spin it. He can move as well. So uh, he's a guy that, that is definitely worth keeping an eye on in this game if he gets the opportunity. Their leading receiver, they've, they've pretty much got one guy. It's Alec Holt on the outside. 20 catches so far this year. 427 yards and five touchdowns. That is impressive. 21.4 yards per catch. Carolina has struggled at times with some of these big play wide receivers, so that is definitely worth noting. Uh, but again, this is a, a team that really just throughout the season has struggled uh, offensively. On the defensive side, um, you know, there's there's really not a ton of standouts. Uh, their leading tackle for loss guy uh, has four on the season. There's actually three guys tied with that. Their best player uh, looks like uh, Joe Beckett, who's their middle linebacker. Um, He's had a fantastic season, 72 total tackles, four tackles for loss, a sack, and a fumble recovery. Um, outside of that, though, this is not a team that gets after the quarterback all that well. Their, leading, uh, their, their sack leader is Michael Mason, who has two and a half for the entire season. Um, and this is not a team that really turns the football over either. They have forced two interceptions the entire season. Now, they have forced seven fumbles, um, or forced ten fumbles and recovered seven so far this season, so that's probably the one area that you would look. But all this to be said, this is not the greatest team. This is easily the, the, the simplest opponent that Carolina has on the schedule. Yeah, even without Sam Howell, this is a game that Carolina should take all of their frustrations out from this season, and they've had a lot of them. And and make Wofford their sacrificial lamb. This game should be over in the first quarter. Um, and and I'm not saying that lightly. This isn't a good football team, and we've seen Carolina under Mac Brown. They've taken care of business in these types of games. Under Larry Fedora, they would kind of mess around for a little bit before they would start taking it over. You saw Florida last week. Now, granted, Sanford's a lot better than Wofford. They were leading at halftime in Gainesville, but that team's a lot better than the Terriers. This is a good chance for Carolina to, you know, get some confidence back in themselves, get ready for NC State, but get the young guys on the field. See what a lot of guys, you know, you're going to see next year, like Power Eccles, who's actually got to see some meaningful snaps, uh, Ra Ra Dilworth, some of those guys, the, the, the future of your team on both sides of the football. This is what this game serves as. Get them on the field, get them experience, get them reps, learn what they, you know, what they do well, what they don't do well. And, and have some fun and send the fan base out with the win. The fans have done a fantastic job showing up all year long despite the team struggling uh, for most of the season. So give them one last thing to cheer about before we get ready for NC State the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think this should be a relatively easy game for Carolina. Um, and, and, and it's something that I, I think you're taught – we were saying it's senior day. There's 22 different guys that are going to get honored. I think you should see 21 of those guys if if cuz there are some rumors that Bo Corrales may be able to be active for this game at least take a few snaps. Mm -hmm. Um Tyrone Hopper would be the only guy that would not be available. I think you should see every single one of these seniors and I think there is a chance that you should be able to see those guys in the third quarter. Right. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. would definitely think that th this team has been pummeled. I mean Here's this is how bad Wofford has been this season. They got absolutely destroyed by a first-year head coach at Western Carolina, and that is not even anywhere close to the teams that Larry Fedora faced his last couple of years when they came to Keenan Stadium. So it should be a relatively easy game. We're going to give you the keys to the game when we come back here, the official predictions for this game, and we'll also tell you the time for that season finale that Josh just mentioned. Make sure you stick with us here uh, on the uh, on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Um, but I do want to tell you about uh, DraftKings. I do not have the script with me, so this should be very, very interesting. Um do you could you pull the script up for me by chance? Uh, let me see what I can do. For okay, you. we're gonna try to scramble on that here for a second. How about this? I'll give you the keys to the game here really quickly. Um, first, I think it's it's you gotta be able to you gotta be able to run the ball early and often in this game. I, I think there's no doubt in my mind that if you can't run the football in this game, you're going to struggle. Um, and you should have no problem doing that. This is a team that has struggled so far uh, this season running the football. 
uh, and or stopping the run, I should say, uh, Wofford. But uh, Carolina shouldn't have much issue in this game. You've got a loaded backfield. Ty Chandler's in his senior day. We remember um, a couple of years ago what Carolina was able to do to a Mercer team that came in there and couldn't stop the run. So I think this should be a, a relatively easy task for the Tar Heels, but it's one that uh, is not guaranteed with the way that the offensive line has played at times. Yeah, but, I mean, look, if Carolina's offensive line can't move around this defensive line, that should all but seal Stacey Searle's fate as Carolina's offensive line coach heading in to next season. Look, when Carolina's been able to run the football, whether it was with Sam Howell or whether it was with Ty Chandler mixing in some DJ Jones, this offense just goes to a different level. Don't think you're going to see as many um, designed quarterback runs if Sam Howell is on the field. I think they will just be reluctant to hand the football off to 19. But, you know, look, you want to see the running game get going, especially if you see Criswell or Drake May, mm-hmm. see them be able to run the football. You, you'll imagine that you'll, you'll see some of their legs as well, you know, because that's a part of Carolina's offense. So establish the line of scrimmage early, often wear them down, even get the young guys on that offensive line in the game mm-hmm. into the first half, into the second half. But this should be a game that Carolina should line up and shove the ball right down Wofford's throat. Yeah, and look, I think this becomes even more of a key. It's as I mentioned. Uh, if Sam Howell plays, I want to see them run the ball as often as they possibly can and not with Sam Howell. Yeah. I, I want to see this run. I want to see Ty Chandler with 40 carries. <laughs> I mean, I did you not – put Sam Howell at any risk in this game so that you can have him ready to go for NC State. I think, I mean, look, even if Sam Howell plays in this game, we didn't really talk about this, he ain't going to be in there for long, right? I mean, I think it might even be start the game, curtain call on the second snap. I mean, it may may be that type of day for him. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a good chance to sort of also – I mean, we we talked about gauging the quarterback position. This is also a chance to sort of gauge your running back position behind Ty Chandler because he's gone. gone. And right now, I mean, maybe this is just – we've seen some moments from DJ Jones – I don't think there's a clear guy right now that's taken over for him back there. I think I, I think we've seen some good things from DJ Jones and Caleb Hood, but I it hasn't been sustained in part for Hood because he's been banged up. Yeah, I think Carolina's going to be active again in the transfer portal, trying to bring in another running back. I agree with you. Um, yep. and, and and they should be. Not saying that DJ Jones and these guys aren't good enough, but they haven't shown that they can be the guy. And I think Carolina, especially next year if you're incorporating a new quarterback, you're going to need a guy that you can just hand the football off to 20 to 25 times and know you're going to get positive results. DJ Jones might be that, but that might be still two years away, so you don't want to hinder yourself next year in the running game. So it's a chance for all the young guys to just show what they got, for the staff to start evaluating where they got, that way they can address the transfer portal and say, these are our needs, and then whatever they don't get in the portal, you emphasize that more on the recruiting trail. Well, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, don't you have two top 200 running backs in the class coming in? They're freshmen. It's going to take them time to get adjusted. I think you'll see those guys at times next year because I think there's a lot of talent there uh, that it's going to be hard to keep those guys off the field. But I'm with you. The other thing is, do you just see what the transfer portal produced this year in terms of guys at the running back position, including Ty Chandler? I love the transfer portal. I would, I would go, I would venture to say that's an area you need to go. To be honest with you, I'm going to write this article at the end of the season. It's going to be hard for me to find a position that they shouldn't pursue in the transfer yes. portal because I think there's 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 a lot of opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I the other one I put on here, and we talked about it a little bit. The offensive line has got to dominate in this game. You've got to be able to push these guys around, and mainly it's to gain your confidence back because you are going to have to be a confident group that is ready to go for that next week against NC State. That NC State defensive line is not as good as they've been in past years. That's still one of the better defensive lines that you're going to face this year. We just saw you face the best defensive line that you faced all year and you looked awful in the first half. You can't have that happen against State. So for this group, they've got to be able to gain their confidence back and really just push around this Wofford team that they should. I think in this game, 
Tar Heel fans should be cheering when the offense is on the field to get the offensive line more accustomed to playing in a hostile environment. In all seriousness, um, look, this is this is a last chance to iron out all the mistakes, the communication, and everything. Because if you want any chance in hell in beating NC State the next week, you got to be average up front. If you're if they're not average, they're going to get beat, and it's not going to be pretty. So this is that chance to get some more confidence, work out all those all those mistakes, but also. When this game is out of hand, we, 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 we know there's some depth at the offensive line, but we haven't seen a lot of those guys. Get those guys on the field because you're going to need them to be big-time players next year. No doubt. Last uh, key to the game here, uh, I, I want to see Carolina run away with this game so we can at least see some of the depth guys. Yep. I, I want to take a look at some of these guys because there are so many seniors that are going to mean a lot, to, that, that have meant a lot to this team over the last couple of years and are going to be big losses for Carolina. We've talked about the off- we just talked about the offensive line and their struggles. You're losing four of your five starters up there, including Joshua Zudu and Marcus McKeithen. Now, those two guys are, could potentially come back, but I think at this point you need to prepare as if they are not coming back. So I want to see some of these young guys rotate in there. I want to see Power Eccles and Ra Ra Dilworth get a little more run as they get ready to try to fill the shoes of Jeremiah Gimmel. I want to see some of the young corners. You know, Kyler McMichael's one of the guys that is taking part in this, is graduating. Uh, he's going to be gone. So you want to see some of these guys on the outside that can step up because there's nothing guaranteed with Storm Duck. He's a guy that's been rated on some draft boards pretty highly at corner. If not, even if he doesn't go to the NFL, he's still a guy that's had some injury problems. Yep. So you still need that depth to be there. Um, and, you know, DeAndre Hollins is coming back. But, again, you're still a little bit thin there. So you want to see some of those young guys step up. There's a bunch of situation. There, there's a bunch of positions where you're going into situations where you're going to have to replace a lot of guys this year. I want to see some of these depth guys get a look and be able to prove themselves. Granted, against a team that's not that good at all, but it's still an opportunity to get on the field and play some significant reps. Yeah, the, the biggest thing about seeing these depth guys, that they're the future of your program, and they're also Mac Brown guys. We're, we're starting to see this become Mac Brown's complete entire roster. You still have Larry Fedora holdovers here that he's won with. That's not a problem. But now you're starting to see what his staff has recruited, what they want in terms of a Carolina football player, in the depth, guys, I want to see Jefferson Boaz. That's all I want to see in this game. I want to see Power Eccles and Ra Ra Dilworth. Absolutely. Jefferson Boaz, he might be the new Kate Fortin for me. I can't wait until you get the Jefferson Boaz specialized jersey. I'm going to tell you, he's done a tremendous job of blocking the view of. I, I don't a, know who they're blocking, who he's blocking the view of, but he always stands right in front of Phil Longo. ABC did a great job highlighting his role when they're broadcast, when they broadcasted the Wake Forest game. And Todd Blackledge who I just absolutely love, and that man makes me feel some type of way when he talks about Sam Howell, was just mystified that college football has evolved from, you remember the the, the big, Carolina, so the cards with all the play calls, to now having a guy on the field that is there to block the play calls being delivered in. Carolina still has That's the what big I'm saying. play cards. Yeah, they still do it. And they do they, have the and big. And they've got Jefferson Boaz. Now, though, I noticed this. They do not have the backup quarterbacks hold those. They are now held by actual, it looks like, people that are hired to hold the cards up on the sideline. That's their whole job. Like, it's, it's crazy. And, yeah, now you've got your resident, your, your resident uh, human blocker, uh, Jefferson Boaz, that just goes and stands out there. I want to know what that guy gets paid to hold the play cards. Uh, I'm not sure. It's it's. I've seen a couple of guys and a couple of girls that have held them so far this season. We are interested. Um, how much money do you make, and are there openings? Yep. We, we we would love to. Join I've got in. a resume. I can hold some things. Okay, we're just gonna move on past <laughs> that comment. That was way too suggestive. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know. I'm trying to think who was a depth guy that I really want to see. I'll tell you, I I I've liked whenever he's been in the game. I want to see Elijah Green in the backfield a little bit. I like uh, the the speed and burst, but I just don't. Th- we haven't seen a ton of them. Yeah. Um. And, you know, on the offensive line, I'm interested to see 
some of the deeper depth guys, like a guy like Malik McGowan, who I was really, really high on at one time coming out, hasn't played a whole lot. So, uh, But I would love to see Jefferson Boaz as well. Great, great young man. I met him a couple years ago in that game I talked about, and he, he is huge. He's like, I mean, he's 6'7", and he's every bit of it. Uh, it's it, it's going to be interesting, and we're hoping to see every single guy that they got on that sideline. I mean, I, I want to see Mac out there at one point, under center, taking snaps. I think you should Wofford. put Jay Bateman out there for punishment for being a uh, a stubborn, you know what, at, at coaching his defense. Oh, jeez, yeah. I, I, I at this point though, I, I think he could potentially do some of better than some of his players tackling in open space. But we'll, we'll see. Um, so we'll come back. We'll do the official uh, predictions. I have tracked down my read, guys. Shocking that I've actually been able to track this down and do my job. I've li- look. I've literally printed out everything else that I needed. I do this every show. Except the thing that no problem that pays my paycheck. thing that pays the money your paycheck you still ain't getting the paycheck. I know. Um, it, the thing that makes us money it didn't print. We that should out. put a poll but I still up. got it right. Here. We should put a poll up. Should Josh get a paycheck? No, I don't think so because we never checked the poll of should you be able to wear cowboy gear, and I think that that would not go in your favor. I've chosen to ignore that. Because I'm not paying you. Um, anyways, let's actually pay the bills here on the podcast and tell you about DraftKings and a great opportunity that you have coming up this Thanksgiving. Of course, you're thankful for family, you're thankful for food, and you're thankful for us. free bets. That's right. Well, yes, of course, you're thankful for us, too. We keep you informed, and we're pretty entertaining. We're kind of ugly, but, you know. Uh, that's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer that you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game, including his Cowboys if you want to bet on that. How about them? And win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Who do the Lions, do they play the Bears? I wouldn't bet on that if they play them. I, I believe they played the Bears. I Bet on the Dallas game. Um, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state just yet, though. You can still get in on the Thanksgiving NFL action. Make your first deposit, and you can play for play free four millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point in the game. That's promo code TPPN this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, guys, we hope you're, we're, we really are hoping that you are taking advantage of those great opportunities to make a little bit of money for you. There are, of course, uh, a great group of Tar Heels in the NFL. I believe it's 22, I saw that earlier today, that are currently on NFL rosters. Uh, so bet on your favorite Tar Heels. Go on there, make some money betting on those guys. Bet on your favorite teams, NFL teams. Um, unless you're a Lions fan, you probably don't want to bet on them, unless you're betting that they're going to tie games. But, you know... It is what it is. Uh, so make sure you're heading over there, taking advantage of all those great opportunities. Uh, let's get into our official predictions. Uh, we can't make these official predictions on DraftKings, unfortunately, but we can make the official predictions for you guys here. Uh, I, I mean, this one should be pretty easy. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Carolina, I think, should run away with this game relatively easily. This Carolina has played some really bad FCS teams over the years. This is up there. This might be the worst. This team is horrendous. And they, like I said, they are a blocked field goal away from being winless on the season at the FCS level. Carolina should have no issues in this game. It's just a matter of what margin do I think Carolina is going to win by. I'm going to go 66-3. I think Carolina just demolishes Wofford and has no issues Like I said, I think you see all of the seniors that can play in this game, and you see them relatively early. It gets some rest for some of your guys, your offensive line, 
uh, will gain a little bit of confidence and get a little bit of rest before that game against NC State. And then he'll get prepared for uh, what will be a, a, a short turnaround. But that's one of the main reasons you got to get this game uh, you know, out of, out of uh, contention early on. Yeah, I've got Carolina winning 56-7. to Hmm. Um, little, little less scoring than what you have predicted, and I don't think Mac Brown's going to run the scoreboard up on these guys all too much. But I think Carolina closes out the home site with a nice, with a nice win. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, no, nothing really to it. I mean, if you guys want to put your predictions in there, go ahead. How, how high do you want to get them up to? Do you think they reach that eighty mark that they got against Idaho a few years ago? You know, I, I don't know, but. Idaho, that was that was an FC that that was an FBS game at the time. Yep. Now they're an FCS team and they're still not good. So uh, we we should have known that though. Uh, closing notes, uh, just got one for you. Season finale uh, for Carolina will be on Friday, November twenty sixth, and it is against NC State, of course, at NC State. That time has now officially been set. It will be a seven o'clock kick. On ESPN, so a primetime game for Carolina. Uh, it, it feels good. That is one thing that I do not miss about the Larry Fedora era, where you had to be extremely concerned about the fact that the team was playing in primetime and playing on national television. Carolina has seemed to kind of wipe those problems away, so you should still feel confident. Um, and again, that that's uh, we're, we're going to have you ready for that one. We are pumped for that one for sure. Um, Carolina, you know, they, they haven't had the season that they uh, hoped they would, but it's still a chance to continue your streak against NC State uh, on on uh, Friday, on Black Friday. So. Yeah. Um, I do have a bone to pick, though, about this game being 7 o'clock on national television. Considering the fact that on Saturday, Clemson and South Carolina, one of the longest-running rivalries in the sport, yeah, is a night game, but it's on the SEC Network. Like, that should be a game that should get a national primetime game. So you're saying that that Clemson, South Carolina should be in this slot? I'm just saying that it shouldn't be on the SEC network. Carolina and NC State, that, sh- that could be an ACC network game, even though it's on a different day. Like, Carolina-NC State isn't the rivalry that Clemson-South Carolina is. Why are you delegating that to the SEC network? That should be an ESPN-ABC game every year. Those two teams hate each other, those two teams will be playing for, I mean, you know, they still got a lot to play for for this year. So I like getting the game on national television, but let's not diminish other great rivalries while we're doing it. Okay, so this is not technically a Tar Heel topic, but I agree with you. Uh, The reason this game is not on a bigger network is because Clemson isn't as good as they've been in years past. And I think that's – I don't really get that because, first of all, uh, have you seen Clemson play offense this season? This will probably still be a close game. I don't think Clemson's going to run away with this one. And And this game is in Columbia, no? But my, yeah, I mean, if, if be a put, good game. You put this game on the ACC network, we might get some legitimate commercials instead of an infomercial with the guy complaining about cancel culture affecting his pillow business. My God, put dude. some legitimate the, the, games on the network, and we might get some legitimate sponsorships and some legitimate money, and they might hire me in the future. Look, man, I respect John Swafford for so much. The TV deal for the ACC network has just not worked out the way that we thought. The the uh, the unbelievable amount of uh of as seen on tv ads yeah. infomercials that we still have our, our blows my mind by the way can you can we get um i mean can we get some tac vision goggles back in our life i miss those commercials over the the the, the, the my pillow cancel culture i mean our boss what are we doing lost his mind about a uh about a new device that the police are using to instead of shredding papers they just mark over them so I'm going to be honest. I saw that. Did you buy it for your dad? No. I forget what game it was that I, w- w- that I saw that ad. And I said to myself, this could come in handy. Guys? Like, was that, was, I think it was Georgia Tech. I saw that commercial and I said, this ain't bad. Yeah. You know, it does mark out the important information. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he actually did have an aside for like 30 minutes uh, yeah. one day about how great that was. That's what – you get these great opportunities. Here's the thing. You want cheap gifts for your family? 
Now you only have to pay what nineteen ninety nine. I go think to the that's, ACC network. Just go to the ACC network. They got it all lined up. If your family members are forty years or older, because none of the kids are going to want any of that crap. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you. I would like my thing is you couldn't have put that game on ESPN two. I just had to like, rant about something. I I'm not. I mean, look, I think Carolina NC, there's a reason why it's on Friday. They tried to do this a, a, a few times, um, and it really, I think it, it was la- last year it was supposed to be on Friday. And then, of course, the COVID schedule sort of adjusted everything. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the last time this game was played on a Friday didn't really work out all that great for Carolina. Yeah. So, hopefully it's a little bit better than uh, that one. But we'll, of course, have you covered on the website with all that great stuff leading up to that game. We'll have you covered with this one as well. We're going to do a game preview for you guys uh, where we'll go in depth, give you a look at Wofford, uh, who Carolina is going to be playing in this game on Saturday. Um, and get you, 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 you'll figure out a little bit more about them. We'll have the team breakdown, stack comparisons, injury reports. Uh, you know, We'll try to get you know, a relatively up-to-date injury report on Sam Howell. I think at this point, though, it's just going to probably be listed as questionable. He's going to he's going to be a game-time decision. And again, even if he plays, he's probably not going to play that much. But we'll tell you about him, some of the other guys that may be a little banged up uh, for both sides. And then we'll also have the projected starting lineups for you uh, in there. And then, of course, after the game is over, we will have a recap for you guys. Uh, we will have the stock report for you guys. All that great stuff on the website at HeelToughBlog.com. We'll round out the season, of course, uh, at its end. Of course, whenever you know Carolina wins, which they should, you're, you're expecting that they will win this game against Wofford. That would make them bowl eligible. So we're, of course, uh, you know, look at all the speculation about where they'll go in the bowl season, where do you want to see them go in the bowl season, all that great stuff. And then uh, we'll, of course, have you covered through the bowl game. And afterwards, we'll run through all the great postseason stuff, final grades, uh, all that great stuff for you guys, uh, and then get you prepared uh, as the team heads into the offseason. I cannot believe that this season is already uh, entering uh, its final two weeks. That is mind-blowing how quickly this uh, college football season has gone by so far. The good news is it's college basketball season, guys, and it's already in full swing. Carolina just got a huge win on the road against the College of Charleston. You may be laughing, but look, the College of Charleston is a legitimate opponent. Carolina went into their place. It was a hostile environment, one of the best environments they've had there uh, since they've been playing in their current arena. Uh, and Carolina went in there and got a nice win over the Cougars uh, just last night, so make sure that you guys go and check out uh, the stuff on the website from that game. Uh, Josh has been having you covered. He'll also have the preview for you of a huge weekend for Carolina as they go up and play in the Hall of Fame tip-off classic up in Connecticut uh, against Purdue and then uh, if they end up winning that game, they'll play the, in, in the winner's game, which will be the early game on I see I've heard conflicting reports. It's the early game on Saturday if they win on Sunday if they win. Yes. It is the late game on Sunday if they lose. And the team on the other side will either be Villanova or Tennessee. He'll have you covered with all of that uh, as Carolina goes through that little mini tournament and then of course dives back into non-conference play and he'll take you all the way through to the end of the season uh, and what hopefully will be uh, a game on that final night. Uh, in April, in, in early April. Um, so we'll, we'll have you covered on all that. Uh, I'll be, you know, with him on the podcast side of things uh, over on the Four Corners podcast as he is here on the Heel Tough blog podcast throughout the season. So make sure that you guys go and check out the Four Corners podcast as well as the Heel Tough blog podcast. If you're a listener on any of your major podcasting sites, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those great places, make sure you check it out. And when you do, you subscribe so that every new edition goes straight into your podcast library. Um, also, want to encourage you guys to head over to the social media pages. Facebook uh, is the best place to head over. Of course, you guys are watching this live on Facebook right now. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, so far tonight here as we've reacted uh, to Andre Green Jr.'s commitment and then ran you through all the other great stuff that uh, we've ran you through. Make sure if you missed any of it, you go back and check it out. And you can do that all here on this Facebook page and make sure you are liked uh, you like the page and follow the page so that you don't miss any of 
the great content that we've got coming out for you guys. As I mentioned, over on the website, Andre Green article uh, is up right now, uh, as well as uh, Sam Howell injury update. We've got um, the 21, uh, the notes from the 21 guys uh, that were originally announced on um, on Monday. Uh, basically, at this point, I guess. Ignore the one, the note in there about Bo Corrales because we thought he was coming back at that time. He is not, but the other ones are definitely noteworthy, especially uh, when it comes to the offensive line. All that great stuff on the website. Uh, and then, of course, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we'll have that preview up there. And I am going to write that article for you guys about who should start in this game if Sam Howell can't go. Uh, that'll also be up there tomorrow for you guys uh, to check out. Um, and it'll all be on that Facebook page. It'll appear right on your timeline if you like and follow. It'll also be on the Twitter page, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Uh, I, I'll put it up there. We put up the videos, all that great stuff there. And check out our personal pages, at Anthony for me. All those articles are there, at Josh for uh, him. Same thing, all articles, all uh, podcast editions are there. And uh, at HackZubbard2, as I mentioned, Next edition of the podcast will be me and him breaking down this commitment of Andre Green Jr. and looking at where Carolina goes as they head towards the early signing period, which is less than a month away. Okay. Thanks. You're such a big brother. That was a RIP tribute to young Dolph, who <sighs> tragically passed away. Yeah, today. I'm going to be honest with you guys. And this is how we're going to finish up. Been, who is Young Dolph? I don't, I don't know who that is. See, I've been cultrified in the last two months. Who is it? Young Dolph. Name, a, name his best song. Young Brother. I don't think that's the name of the I, song. I think though. that was it. Is that the name of the song? I don't know. We're, we're, not, we're not extremely cultured here on the show, unfortunately. So, uh, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank you guys uh, for joining us here on this live edition of the podcast. We really appreciate it. Josh Marlowe uh, hosting this podcast with me and uh, even doing a little bit of recruiting breakdown as well. That was fantastic. Had to open up the uh, – had to, had to expand the mind there. I'm a, I'm a versatile member of the Heel Tough blog. You like Leaky Black. Um, <laughs> Except I got a jump shot. Ah. Oh. Not really. Uh, so that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast, guys. Once again, thank you guys for watching and the people that will eventually be listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.